So Netflix made a superhero movie that's kind of really not a superhero movie, but also technically it is. It didn't hit the theaters, but it's streaming on a set-top near you. Maybe you watch on your iPad. And also, we've got 20 ridiculous superhero-related questions to Pepper Fanboy with. Let's do it. What is up, my nerds? Welcome inside Pop Culture with Fanboy and Know-It-All. I'm Jake. I am Paul. Welcome back inside our crazy brains. Paul, what did you think of that more straightforward intro? Were you all right with that? Was that kind of you driving with that or you were you a little disappointed in me? It, I, I, it threw me. I thought, wow, it feels like we're getting this show off to sort of a normal start. I, I don't quite know what to say. Speechless. I've rendered him speechless. Yeah. I wanted to start it a little bit more normally for you since I'm going to hit you with 20 ridiculous superhero questions. I had some fun with these. So I'm ready to put you through your paces in our uh, our follow-up to last episode's 20 superhero-related questions that you badgered me with. Now it's your turn to face uh, to face the the harsh light, the limelight <laughs> of my question. One like, yes. Yeah. yes. Everybody, everybody in the world wants to be questioned by me. It's kind of, <laughs> I'm kind of notorious I, for it in my own I am the one who questions you, so I guess turnabout is fair play. <laughs> questions you in more ways than one. That's right. So continuing our quest for superhero tangential content in a summer that has mostly been devoid of superhero content of any kind, we are not only returning to the quote-unquote Superhero Olympics 20 questions, but also I convinced Paul via email that the old guard was superhero-esque enough (laughs) that we should watch it and review it on the episode. And he had already watched it, so I was really just convincing him that it was superhero-related. And he was very easily convinced in one email. So, <laughs> yeah, it didn't take a lot of arm twisting. It's true. And so that was just excuse for me to finally watch Netflix's The Old Guard, fronted by Charlize Theron, and really nobody else huge. Nobody else huge. It was Charlize Theron's own vehicle. I, she she carried the movie from beginning to end. But we'll yeah. talk more about that later. That's right, and we'll wrap up the show the way we love to always wrap up this show with the most least important thing. But now it's time for 20 Questions, Superhero Edition, Fanboy uh, Targeted. (laughs) Really should have thought that one through in advance. This is where, you know, if we had the big bucks, we could hire a copywriter. But (laughs) Yeah, no, it's all on the fly. All on the fly. For now, I'll just cue myself as the editor to cut to the segment music. I didn't realize you made cuts on this show. Welcome inside 20 Questions 2.0 Fanboy Targeted Edition. <laughs> Paul, how does it feel to be a targeted individual today? 
It feels great. It Have you ever done Rees? It feels pretty normal. I feel like oftentimes I am targeted by you for various things. Now it's just official, right? Right. Now it's not now I don't behind have... blatant aggressiveness. I don't have to defend great movies against your hate. I don't have to, you know, deal with your snide comments. It's just it's just all out in the open now. We're That's just right. letting it all hang out. Yeah, hopefully hopefully these are all meant all these questions, I'll just be completely upfront and honest, are meant to set you up to set me up to dunk on you. <laughs> See, mine were honest to goodness questions. I wanted to know. <laughs> oh, I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> the wanting is not the question. <laughs> the question is the wanting. All right. Now I'm not There's science there. Not so but- Unlike Paul, I have exactly 20 questions. He wasn't <laughs> sure how many he was asking. Yeah, me. He was pretty sure there were 20. One or 22. The goal is... I got excited for my questions. I needed to ask them all. That's right. The goal of this is for you guys and me to get more insight into Paul's crazy brain in the way he ticks through ridiculous superhero-related questions that uh, we're going to ask as rapid fire as possible, but uh, see what kind of reactions and emotions are elicited. (laughs) All right. I'm ready. Are you ready? I am ready. All right. Number one, Paul, if you had to decide on one iteration of Batman to have forever and all the others would instantly disappear, which would you keep? Adam West. Adam West forever, huh? <laughs> well, you know, here's the thing. Christopher Nolan's Batman, better, right? But yeah. they're kind of depressing. So okay. I'm going to have one around forever. I want something that makes me laugh. So Adam West, old 1960s Batman. All right. There you go. Number two, if you had to be married. Can I change that? The- and now I want to change it. What? Arkham Batman. The Arkham Batman from the video games. Those best Batman ever. Okay. I I just broke the the rules on the very first question. I'm sorry. Arkham video game Batman. Got it. Arkham video game Batman. All righty. Number two. Paul, if you had to be married to a superhero, which one would you prefer being married to? Oh, Wonder Woman. (laughs) Wonder right. Woman. Which one? Which Wonder Woman? <laughs> this is very important. <laughs> oh man, that's really tough. I grew up crushing on Linda Carter. Um, man, she. I did like Linda Carter Wonder Woman. This this feels this feels like it's bordering on something that could get us both, <laughs> especially me. But and Gal Gadot, she makes a really great Wonder Woman too. I'd I'd have to say Linda Carter. All right. Number three, as teased at the end of the Justice League movie, who would win in a race between Superman and the Flash? The Flash. Really? Superman literally, he literally reversed time by flying around the entire world. Uh, Superman would let him win because he's a nice guy. Uh, Okay, that's a weird (laughs) logic there, but that makes sense. All right, good. I'm noting this down on your personality test. You're going to have an interview with Axios for HBO here soon. 
it really can tell you way too much about someone's personality, I think, actually. Mental state by some of these questions. What animal is this? <laughs> I'm sorry, that's not an official question. Um, all right, next. Which superheroes would you put in the starting lineup for your Olympic dream team for basketball? Oh, my goodness. All right. So they can be Marvel, DC, anyone. Yep. This is the dream team. They can be – you're picking from all the lineups in the league. Okay. All right. So for basketball dream team, definitely Hulk would be center. Hulk, center. Right. Superman would have to be power forward, don't you think? He would Superman, power forward. Uh, Iron Man, shooting guard. Iron Man, shooting guard. Flash, point guard. And small forward. That's a tough one. So Larry Bird was a small forward. Um, who would be most like Larry Bird? Captain America. Captain America. Captain America. Oh, he does seem like the weak link on that team, doesn't he? I mean, yeah. Small forward. America. Yeah, I think small forward. He'd be good. Okay. All right. Got it. Number five. If Batman was a professional wrestler, what would his entrance song be? (laughs) Too legit to quit. Too legit to quit. Who does that one? I have no idea. <laughs> You've just heard it. Yeah, yeah. No, it's. It, I pulled it out from my distant memory. Hold on. Well, now I got to see so I can. Uh, I got to know this about your psychology. Oh man, you know this is it's. This is so embarrassing. It's MC Hammer. Ooh. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I should have remembered that off the top of my head. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if Batman would use an MC Hammer song to. To march into the ring. It, I mean, there is a version of Batman that would, um, and Joel Schumacher made that version of Batman. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe Frank Sinatra, the Adam West version, walk into Frank Sinatra because he doesn't seem like he would have been a big Beatles fan back in the day, right? <laughs> it depends on the Beatles song. I can see a couple of them. One about doing something in the road. Uh, All right. Number (laughs) number six. Um, We're only on number six. (laughs) Which superhero would you be most okay with having as a son or daughter-in-law? Oh, as a son or daughter-in-law. It wouldn't be Superman because I would feel pretty inferior to him right i imagine you'd feel inferior to most of these yeah that's really true <laughs> um jean gray <laughs> okay so she can be in your head all the time she seems like a nice woman i've been watching the x-men lately so jean gray seems like she's she'd be She'd be nice. She'd be good at Thanksgiving dinner. She'd know when to pass all the vegetables. Okay. Safely. She'd 
be kind while you're watching football. She wouldn't get too angry with you if, you know, it's assuming that it's, you know, the early Jean Grey, not the Black Phoenix, Dark Phoenix Jean Grey. But that one seems less patient. Less patient. Yes. Number seven. What is the worst superpower that a superhero has ever been saddled with? <laughs> you know, I'm going to go with bipolar bear. <laughs> Where is bipolar bear from? <laughs> bipolar bear is from the franchise, the tick. Oh my I've, God. We've talked about the tick before the, the old cartoon version of the tick, which you have not watched, which you should. Yeah. There was a character that showed up for literally 20 seconds one time and he was being called to duty and he gets out of bed and he says, this looks like a job for bipolar bear, but I just can't get out of bed. Oh gosh. (laughs) That seems like a really terrible, terrible superpower. Yeah. Though I guess considering the superpower is very 2020. (laughs) All right. Number eight, which superheroes would you enjoy the most as members of your curling team? Ooh. Enjoy the most. Not who would make the best curling team, but enjoy yeah, yeah. the most. Throw back a couple of brewskis as you tread the ice curling style. You know, I think Plastic Man would be good. Is this another think, tick, tick reference? No, no, no. Plastic Man was an old DC uh, character. He's, he's, like, he's like Mr. Fantastic. He just stretches, but he has a better outfit. And so when you're thinking curling, you've got to go with the outfits, right? No, I, I just want to see who you want to hang out with. Yeah, but no, well, I wasn't they, interested in who was good at curling. I was just interested in learning who Paul wants to hang out with. <laughs> Plastic Man would be good. Okay. Um, I think Thor would be kind of fun. Okay. Um, you know, the Beast from... from uh, from the X-Men would be kind of cool to hang out with. If it was like a co-ed team, I'm, I'm always up for hanging out with Wonder Woman. I think she'd be good. Although Valkyrie would be better, I think, as a curler. I think she'd be a better curler. Valkyrie? Valkyrie, yeah. Yeah, I think she'd be all right. She's got the drinking down, so. She's got the drinking down. That is true. How many people are on a curling team? Well, typically four. So okay. I went over my allotment. You've got to eliminate one of those. Plastic Man, Thor, the Beast, or Valkyrie has to go. The Beast. Only because I think that his big hands would make it more difficult for him to throw the uh, the stone down the ice. All right. He's up. A little bit tricky. And, and you know, the, the fur would get sort of stuck, potentially, you know? Yeah. Though so it would keep him warmer. It would keep him warmer. That is very true. All right, number nine. What super should be the next to get a gritty streaming series a la Daredevil or Swamp Thing? Does Swamp Thing have his own streaming series? Didn't he on DC that got canceled? Oh, see, I don't watch DC, so I don't know. Oh, you weren't the one telling me about Swamp Thing. But yeah, he did. Short-lived. Okay. Well-regarded. Like, people were upset that it got canceled. It seems like it might be the next Serenity. Or Firefly. Yeah. That would be cool. Oh, boy. This is a good question, actually. Um, you had to have one good question in amongst all of these. Um, who's the blue devil guy from the X-Men? Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler. He, he'd be pretty good. Don't you he think would, good? though I think there'd be kind of a daredevil thing going on since he's also Catholic and 
yeah his tattoos are based on like his sins or whatever well isn't yeah yeah but you could you could explore a lot of cool stuff with that i don't disagree with that take Mm, let me think yeah i think that that's going to be my vote all right number 10 which superhero is likely the best home cook (laughs) oh that'd be vision don't you think I just I don't think a machine, you know, can bring the humanity necessary for my favorite food, but maybe for somebody with a bland palate like Paul. Wanda seemed to really like his food. Didn't didn't Vision actually cook something for Wanda in like the the Infinity? I mean, he was essentially the housemaid for her, so yeah, probably. Wasn't it grilled cheese or something? <laughs> That's all I need. <laughs> That's all I would need. If he can cook grilled cheese, that'd be all right. All right. Yeah. Yeah, I think it'd be all right. And and plus, you know, if you didn't like his food, he'd be less likely to take it out on you. You know, you could say, this is not up to par. If you said that to Batman, you don't know exactly what would happen. Sure. All right. Uh, number 11, if you had to choose one MCU character to be dissolved and stay dissolved by the snap, who would it be? Wow. One MCU character to be dissolved and stay dissolved. You know what? I'm going to go with Loki. You heartless monster. <laughs> well, only because it'd be nice if some of these characters stayed dead, right? That that was kind of the gist, what I was getting at. Yeah. Yeah. Loki, I really liked Loki in every movie I've seen him in. His run was good. He can be dead. Dead. He's only mostly dead. <laughs> that's, that's that's the MCU's motto, really. <laughs> They're only always mostly dead. <laughs> Number 12. You know who would be also a really good curler? Sorry to go mm. back to this. Yep. Hawkeye. Hawkeye would be a great curler. He's got, he's. I bet you he's even curled in his life. He may have Midwestern vibe going. He, I think he'd be a fun curler to hang out with. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, go on. All right. Uh, number 12 is the Joker as a character better with or without a backstory. Oh, without by far without. Hand so by far. Not a big killing joke fan then. Not a big killing joke fan. Yeah. I, Heath Ledger Joker, perfect. That's all, all you right. conflicting backstories. Which superhero would be the worst for you personally to have to pair up with as a crime fighting duo? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Jake Roberson. No, that's not right. Uh, that's too much of a compliment to me. Because <laughs> you'd have to admit that I was a superhero. You know what? I don't think I would get along very well with, well, either Johnny Storm or The Thing, actually. I don't think either of those two Fantastic Four people would be great for me. Because I I would, they would want to go out and, you know, Johnny Storm would be kind of a party guy, and I'm not a big party guy after we solve crimes and catch criminals and stuff. And The Thing... We just wouldn't have a lot to talk about. 
I just, mm. you know, isn't that what you want in life, though? <laughs> Not that much to talk about. No, no. See, here's the thing. The thing. Um, <laughs> I I don't necessarily like to talk, but I don't want there to be uncomfortable silences, and uh. you know. So you gotta you gotta have someone who you can at least relate to a little bit, right? So Superman and I, we could talk about I don't know. Superman would be nice. He could he could and Batman and I we could we can unpack, you know, past hurts and, and hardships and stuff. It could be sort of like a counseling session. The thing I I just don't know. Just doesn't feel like we'd Wolverine would be another guy who'd be hard for me to hang out with because he seems a little grim. So who would be the worst then? Who do you, would you dread the most? I'm going to go with Johnny Storm. All right. I knew people like that in college, and <laughs> I always dreaded being with them for too long. When you were stuck in the middle of the Nebraska cornfields, <laughs> tough to get away. It's tough to get away. Plus, he would set a, he would set a light all those Nebraska cornfields. Right. All right, number 14. Who has already appeared in a superhero movie who should then be cast, now be cast as a different superhero in a new movie or series. Oh, wow. That is pretty interesting. Oh, goodness gracious. Wow. That's, I'm really going to have to give this some serious thought. Um, You know what? We're going to go. <laughs> We're going to go Tom Eggleston. Tom? Tom? Yeah. Who uh, should he play? He should play Plastic Man. It's back to Plastic Man. Interesting. You know, also, Tom Hardy would be sort of interesting as, well, as the thing. Actually, now that I think about it, I think that would be all right. And wait, you did say Tom. You said Tom Edelston. Are we talking about Tom Hiddleston, right? Hiddleston, yes. Sorry. Yeah. All right. Just wanted to make sure it wasn't going super obscure. Uh, Tom Hardy as the thing. Tom Hardy as the thing would be pretty all right. Um, Tom Hardy as... Oh, man, there's a lot of different... There's a lot of really interesting directions you could take that. Tom Hardy would be really good in a lot of different roles, although he tends to swing more towards supervillains, I would think. You know who Tom Hardy would make a great super quote-unquote character? Yeah. The Penguin. Interesting. As the Penguin. As the Penguin. I think he could pull it off. I mean, that would put him in the rarefied air of Danny DeVito, right? <laughs> That's exactly right. But I really think that he could pull it off. You know, he's he's a pretty good actor. Yeah. He'd be a little more muscular of a penguin than we've seen, but still. Right. All right. What superhero should get a Lego movie next? Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. There's I a theme here. Although Superman would be pretty hilarious too. I think that'd be all right. And he has showed up in the Lego movie universe. Yeah. Yeah. Green Lantern would have some good possibilities. Well, I mean, I, I, this is on the nose, but 
a Superman Green Lantern spinoff based on the um, characters as portrayed by Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill in the Lego movie would be pretty great. You know, I think we sort of obliterated your idea for a speed round for this. That's right. Yeah. I, when I asked that one question that just generated 30 seconds of silence. I knew it was <laughs> Oh, that's rough. I'll have to do some massive. I'll have to just go through second by second and just clip out silence to make you sound really thoughtful and exactly. Yeah. Speed, you know, very stream of consciousness. What superhero movie? This is question sixteen. What superhero movie or show has the best soundtrack? Oh, best superhero movie or show? That would definitely be <laughs> Wonder Woman. The Wonder Woman theme, man, for the latest movies. The Wonder Woman movie, like the soundtrack? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think just the Wonder Woman theme. I'm not talking about the entire soundtrack, but... Oh, I'm talking about the entire soundtrack, though. Something cool. It it rips off with this great, you know, this great little song that I think sums up Wonder Woman perfectly. Gets me jazzed to hear it. It is a great theme song, but I want to know who has the best overall soundtrack. See, the overall soundtrack, that doesn't even count because... Because the thing is, um, all soundtracks these days are really, really bland. We've already had this conversation. That's not true. Bland. Super bland. When you're taking like the whole two-hour movie soundtrack, they they actually make them so they blend in together. You could have gone with Guardians of the Galaxy. You could have gone with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. You could have gone with Thor Ragnarok. Well, but see, Thor Ragnarok has one good song. Guardians of the Galaxy, that is it. That is it, for sure. With an honorable mention to uh, to Batman the TV show. All right. Batman! Number 17. Which superhero would you most enjoy curating and sharing a Spotify playlist with? <laughs> oh, that'd be Tony Stark, Iron Man. Another one with a good soundtrack. Yeah. But again, that was one song. I mean, you just remember the one song, right? No, no. He had a great theme song. They also used Iron Man in addition to the theme song. They, were, they, used, some, they used some tunes. They used some tunes. Guardians of the Galaxy wins. You're right about that. Yeah. I had to lead you there, but you got the right answer eventually. <laughs> Number 18, which superhero would be the most insufferable Facebook friend? The most insufferable Facebook friend. Post a lot, right? Post a lot, irritating types of posts, uh, irritate, you know, frustrating tone language. It could be whatever means it, whatever is insufferable to you. You explain why the superhero would be that. Thor would be pretty insufferable. Not Thor. Yeah, Thor. Thor, he would be pretty insufferable. Um, Super annoying, although entertaining in his own way. Hulk would be a bad guy to be Facebook friends with. Because even if he could manipulate the, the keyboard with his, you know, huge fingers and thumbs and stuff... I don't think he would have a lot of really intelligent conversation. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that those would be my answers. Again, the thing would not be a great, not be a great Facebook friend. Um, 
Tony Stark would be entertaining, but perhaps get to be a little bit too much. Yeah. Johnny Storm could be a bit. Yeah. I kind of imagine him as like a alt-right OANN. Well, and plus he would be. Yeah. yeah. He'd also be like misspelling every other word, which kind of drives me a little crazy. Yeah. He might go a little bit crazy. Random capitalization. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Johnny Storm. He'd be terrible. Uh, I actually just had this thought that would be a pretty fun video to do, uh, <laughs> sort of like a spin on Captain America Civil War, but like overlaying the alt left and the alt right and it, have it be like a social media civil war where like, and Tony Stark would stand in as the alt left and Captain America, Steve Rogers would stand in as the alt right. <laughs> and then he just like visualize this social media obscure internet bowels dark web civil war in the modern digital context wouldn't that be kind of fun yeah yeah that's just what hitler would say yeah <laughs> could totally see buzzfeed doing something like that or uh or uh what's the um funnier die funnier die could nail that oh yeah yeah definitely uh speaking of politics um <laughs> <laughs> Number 19, if you had to build a presidential ticket using only superheroes, who is president and who is vice president on that ticket? Oh, you know, you got to go Superman, Batman as the double ticket, right? <laughs> I mean, you've got, you've got Superman who'd be the guy, right? He, he exemplifies all what's good about the American way, truth and justice and all that sort of stuff. You wouldn't have to spend a lot on Air Force One because he could fly everywhere. He would always know the right things to say. He could solve diplomatic issues fairly quickly. Batman would be good in the, in the second banana roll because, you know, part of his role would be to keep the Senate in line. He would He would be sort of like the guy who would make all the calls, make sure that things were lining up vote-wise, playing the legislature, making sure they were on board. He'd be he'd be the guy who would make sure that Superman stayed Superman because he, Batman, would be the vice president. Not the one that we want, but the one that we deserve. So kind of like you're imagining if it was the way we did it way back in the day where whoever was runner-up in the election became the vice president. <laughs> no, no, no. I think- and then kept the other guy in line. No, he, he it would be a legitimate ticket because you can't have you can't have like Superman Captain America. That wouldn't work. Well, technically you can't have Superman at all because he wasn't born here. Oh. Curses. Well, it would be Captain America Batman. Okay. Right? Still Captain America as the the main yeah. on the ticket. You need to have you need to have the good all-American guy as the head of the ticket. Oh, you know what? I feel now like I've I've become sexist and racist. That, that's not... <laughs> so, Are you telling me you want to put two rich white guys on the list? I guess yeah. you know Captain America was poor. He was working class. Yeah. He was working yeah, class. Absolutely. absolutely. Um, wow. Yeah, that, that might that might hurt us in certain areas. That unbalanced ticket. So I I would go Captain America, and for for. For vice president, I would go. 
Oh, Captain Marvel? Would you do a full captain ticket? I mean, both have military experience, right? Yeah. You get yeah. the feminine, you get the female vote there. Uh, you know, had you gone like Storm? Oh yeah, that, that would have been a more diverse ticket, but yeah. you don't have like the built-in military experience. Plus, she's kind of a villain. No, no, no. Storm's not a villain. Storm wasn't a villain. No, no. Yeah, no, no. Take Ray, that, scratch that from the record. Ray was the problem. Storm would be all right. Yeah. Um, she almost seems too nice, though. Not that, not that Captain Marvel doesn't seem pretty nice. Yeah, I, I'd go Captain Marvel. I think Captain okay. Marvel's the way to go. Captain America and Captain Marvel. All right, final question. If one genre had to be destroyed and you could only watch the other forever after, would you keep the spy genre or the superhero genre? Oh, you could only watch it for... It would all be gone. All of them. Anything in that genre would be gone. man. I'd keep the spy genre. Oh, revealed. Yeah, no, I, I think uh, I think I'll always have the memories of the superhero genre. I don't spies. The thing about spies is that it is a perpetually renewing genre. You can always have something new and exciting to talk about in a spy thing. Plus, I really like that film noir style. You know, I think that that's really cool. Um, superheroes. Man, we've had some great superhero movies. I'm not. I'm not conf. Mm, boy, this is a tough one. <laughs> there have it has been proven that superhero movies can have a surprising bit of variety. I am not confident that directors of the future will necessarily be able to flesh that out. How's that? There you go. I mean, um, yeah, there you have it. That was tough. Paula would destroy superhero movies forever. Headline. If he, if Paul AC had his way, superhero movies would be gone forever. That's how the title, that's what the title of this podcast is going to be. Just call me Martin Scorsese. (laughs) You heartless. You're not a fanboy. You don't deserve that title. (laughs) Wow. There you have it for this round of 20 questions. Paul, how do you feel? Thanks for joining the show today. You know, I, I really feel like this is, this show, this will show more than anything, what type of person I am. I want all those questions so I can actually think about them now because I I feel like uh, I didn't get the right answers. I need to have the right answers for some of these. Okay, I will. Uh, I'll email them to you, and then you can send back the right answers to me. You know, you know, however long you need. <laughs> that's that's uh, that's fair. That's All fair. Right. Only fair. All right, now it's time for the old guard. Sliding into Netflix and chill queues across the America and across the world in July of 2020 was The Old Guard, directed by Gina Prince Bythewood, famous for also having written and directed Love and Basketball, comes a superhero-esque movie about a bunch of people who can get, who feel pain and get 
riddled with bullets, but not actually die. So we're calling them superheroes. <laughs> and we're going to talk about Netflix is the old guard. This is your spoiler warning. That that There wasn't any spoiler in what I just said. That was all in the previews and everywhere. You, know? you would have totally spoiled it for me, by the way. Totally spoiled it for me. Oh, yeah? Yeah. you didn't watch any of the previews? I didn't watch any of the previews. So, or, you know, the opening scene of the movie? <laughs> I watched the opening scene of the movie. But, but see, here's the thing. When I had to watch this to review it, right? I don't have time to research these things before I review it because I have so many things to review. So I heard Old Guard, all right, we'll flip it on. It's supposed to be sort of an action-y thing. Watch it for the first few minutes. All these people are dead. Can't see who any of them are. I think it sort of flashes back to a time before. You see Charlize Theron and all of her posse getting together, trying to do this job to rescue these these kids from a you know from a terrible situation then they all get shot and they're all dead and i was thinking as i was watching this what is this movie why did the people who were supposed to be following throughout here die within the first 15 minutes because this movie was brought to you by jake roberson (laughs) this is this is really the problem with uh with trailers because it was so cool not having watched the trailer and watching them all get up. I thought, what? They're getting up. That's the first time I've been surprised in a movie since The Sixth Sense. Well, the thing is, though, the movie literally opens with them doing a voiceover about how they always get back up. But it didn't make any sense. It didn't make any <laughs> sense in context. Okay. Think, right. What are they talking about? I was so confused. You didn't even read... So apparently you didn't even read like the Netflix description. A covert team of immortal mercenaries. I really didn't. I just clicked on the play button and watched it. It was great that way. It was really good. Well, it does sound better that way. I Uh, would have enjoyed it nearly as much had I known they were immortals from the very beginning. So that's, that's the key. Whenever you watch a movie, don't know anything about it. Nothing. Don't listen to this podcast ever. (laughs) Until after you've seen everything in the universe. Yeah. So that's funny. I'll give a second spoiler warning here since I have to burp. All right. I'm going to assume I cut that out. Um, Yeah, it's a bad assumption. It's... It's funny that that felt like the spoiler to you when the real spoiler in the movie is that Oh, they're not actually immortal. <laughs> so it was a real roller coaster for Paul. Like, went from, of course they die like normal people to, oh my gosh, they're immortal to, oh no, they're not really immortal. See, yeah, that 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 didn't surprise me too much. Since they spent Once spent that... all the time leading up to that reveal, talking about how the fact that it has to end somewhere. <laughs> well that then that's exactly it you just can't have a bunch of immortal people you know getting shot and then getting back up and then getting shot and then getting back up something's got to kill them somewhere right otherwise there's no tension that's the problem with superman <laughs> to get back to you know superhero but even so they still find ways to raise people that can't be dead back to life 
but yeah, and 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 that felt like truly superhero fashion, you know, just to jump straight to the stinger at the end of the movie. Yeah. So we've already given two spoiler warnings. It's like how does how does one escape from being drowned in the bottom of the ocean repeatedly for hundreds and hundreds of years inside of an iron coffin? Like I can't wait for Old Guard Two, where we find out how she escaped the water coffin. Like, did a shark come up and bite the lock finally? You know, it could have been that the iron just sort of decayed after all those years, right? That would seem to make sense. It rusted enough that she could break out of it. Yeah, I do think that that would really be a horrible way to die repeatedly. That would be oh, yeah. it would be really traumatizing. That would be I, awful. Yeah. I, I, I wonder how it works. Like, okay, so she, she dies repeatedly, right? I get that. But does her skin not, like, I guess the skin just regenerates over. It's weird when you're when you're constantly saturated in water, you know, would it have to be constantly? I mean, that there's just so many plot holes. It's, the whole movie just falls apart. Well, and the thing that I always wondered about, too, when you're when you're dealing with these sorts of issues. So what if. OK, so the old guard comes in, there's like a nuclear blast. Boom. Everybody's disintegrated. But they can't die, right? The movie says that they cannot die. Right. So how does that work? Do they regenerate like one atom at a time or do the atoms sort of come together? Right. I mean, we saw some pretty bad damage, but I don't think we saw like critical body parts necessarily fly off. And right. It makes me wonder whether it's sort of like a Deadpool type of thing where you're just sort of growing limbs back do you grow back your head or if does your body grow back? You know what I'm saying? Like if right. decapitated. Yeah. If there's not a, if there's not a spiritual force bringing your pieces back together, if in this universe that they, they try to pretty explicitly say there's no God, right? So this is all happening for an unknown reason. I totally disagree. Uh, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah, what 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 has to be intact to cause the healing to happen? Exactly your point, because let uh, we do learn in the movie that they got burned in the film, which ostensibly would reduce them to ash if those doing the burning did their job right. So they had to be reconstituted from pure ash. So, right, I, the physics of it feel very complicated i won't say iffy because i guess that would be inherently <laughs> a movie like this but but if you're gonna go with the plot i mean it does seem like there will be a lot of issues that i would want to know a lot more about for it to actually for these people to actually be immortal you know at least with the highlander you know the highlander series if you get your head chopped off you're done yeah and, set up some rules yeah yeah, yeah. Superman but, has kryptonite. Right, right. But the old guard, if you truly are indestructible in a way, how does that work? Maybe we should ask Wolverine about that. We could. You know, um, his his seemed to be, there seemed to be, uh, he regenerates from wounds. He's not necessarily immortal, right? And that seems to be the, the difference in that he has this healing ability, but he's not necessarily, it's not that he can't be killed. It's just that it's really difficult because wounds that would kill the rest of us, 
heal up on him, right? You know, I'm not completely sure. I'd have to I'd have to do some Wolverine research on that because I I actually think that he might be immortal. Like he he might be able to to shake off any sort of injury that he gets com- up to and including total dismemberment. So Well, spoiler alert for Logan. Well, yeah, but see that he was getting sick then. That's a that's a totally different scenario. His his immortality had been sapped from him by that point. So that means he's killable. Well, that means that, his immortality isn't yeah, an inherent immortality. It's yeah. it's you know an immunity to types of wounds. But I I think that it's immunity to all wounds, right? I mean, he was poisoned by his own skeleton. So you think he can regrow a head? I'm not sure. Like I need to do, I would need to do more Wolverine research on that. Now, Deadpool, he can regenerate, right? I mean, he is technically immortal because regenerate all sorts of body parts. Yeah. So, like, where would they like? So, in the case of Deadpool, and maybe in the case of these people, this is what I want to know. Let's say you dismembered them piece by piece, right? You took the head, you took each arm, each leg, all maybe even all the digits. Maybe you get really granular and you separate the fingers from the hands, the hands from the body, the feet from the legs, the toes from the feet. You see what I'm saying? The ears, right? Yeah. Could you ostensibly have then created that many new versions like clone it would it be like cloning well like the finger grow back an entire body and then the other fingers would do the same or like where's where what starts the regeneration that's what i want to know because if that was the case then the powers that be in the old guard really missed out they could have created an entire army of superheroes that would have then turned against them it would have been a very different history you do not want to face 30 charlie's thrones that's for sure that would be very maybe that's why they didn't you know, maybe that's why they didn't go with it. Yeah, yeah. No, it it, it is a complicated scenario, and and that was one thing that I I wondered throughout the, the the entire movie was whether it would draw things back or spawn. Like, to your point, is there like a piece of their body that regenerates? Right. Or is it like, I mean, you can't imagine that these people are like spider plants, where you root them in water and they grow roots, and then they're you know, they're all new spider plants. It wouldn't be like the the brooms from Fantasia. You chop them up and they turn into new brooms. But how does that work? I just don't know. Yeah, I mean, I I I've imagined I was like, and if you did clone all the like, let's say they every part of your body could regenerate an entire body, would they have the same uh, brain? You know, but now that's split, like the same memories and all that, but now they're split into new realities. Would they have a shared reality? Like, would it be a hive mind thing? Or would it be like a transmogrifier thing? You know, Calvin and Hobbes, where they each have their own personality and they want to do things a different way. Yeah. No, if if you could grow, say, 10 Charlie's Thrones from her fingers, right? Right. Based on your theory, I think that they would regenerate all into Charlize Theron, 
And because they would regenerate, including her head, including her brain, I would assume that it would come along with with the memories. So I think that they would be all identical Charlize Theron's. They would all still like the same food. They would still know the same stuff. I think I think they would be pretty identical. But then they could go ostensibly and go live their own immortal experiences from there on out and shape slightly different versions of that identity. Well, that's true. Once they're out, once they're out of fingers, all bets are off. (laughs) They can shape their own destinies from there. Right. Okay. All right. Yeah. Cause that's, that's a little bit more of the transmogrifier thing where Calvin creates his clone or not transmogrifier, but he creates his cloning box. Yeah. Transmogrifier was where he turned into different things. So I misused that earlier. He creates his cloning box to get a clone to do his chores. But then the clone doesn't is like Calvin and doesn't want to do the chores either. (laughs) So Jake, I honestly think we might've set a new standard for a complete and utter stupid geekiness. (laughs) I think this is relevant to the plot of the movie though. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yes, it would be sort of a transmorgification system, but I do think that they would develop. So like if, so if Charlize Theron lost all of her fingers, they all generated into 10 new Charlize Therons. They all go live their own lives. They would all have their own separate memories. So you would have eventually, if enough of Charlize Theron's fingers were cut off and regenerated into new Charlize Therons, it would be, they wouldn't have anything in common at all. They would, they would share maybe some of the same past memories, but right. from the movie that she can't even necessarily re- remember everything in her past because she's so old. She's like right. thousand years old. So I do think that eventually it would become, I mean, they could all gather together in some sort of like weird Charlize Theron reunion and they could, you know, share stories and swap jokes. And it would be like meeting entirely new people. Only they looked very similar and they could each, kill you know 17 people without (laughs) yeah and you'd be able to populate the world unending with adult human beings who think very similarly to you and each but then that's the funny thing is if each of the Charlize Thrones then realized they could do that and started doing that like then you know every so often you know every hundred years or so you would have these Charlize Thrones that like are creating a you new you like have new sets of shared memories that other versions don't have. Well, like see so that then you've got these branching timelines of oh, which shared memories do do we actually share? Yeah, see that's what I'm saying. Have you not been listening to me? Yeah, no, I was corroborating and I was taking oh. it further down the rabbit hole. Yeah, exactly. It's and- sort of like it's sort of like my actual view of reality that there's an infinite number of of possible branches, storylines, timelines, and that there's a singular being above it all that can see the entire infinite number of branching storylines, every micro infinitesimal, you know, potential decision that any of us can make and how they interact with each other. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So I want to go back to this thing because this is important to me. Okay. You were saying that the old guard essentially speculates that there is no God, there is no greater purpose beyond this, right? Well, it speculates that outright, yeah. Yeah, it it speculates that outright. Because, you know, Charlize Theron, 
Andy is her name, by the way. And we haven't even actually talked about the plot. <laughs> we, hey, I gave you the plot. A covert team of immortal mercenaries are suddenly exposed and must now fight to keep their identity a secret. Yes. So Andy, Charlize Theron. <laughs> the leader of this covert this, team of immortal mercenaries. She, she is definitely rather dismissive of faith at the very beginning. But I actually think that she changes her tune toward the end. I mean, she is very dismissive at first. And as time goes on, as these things happen, then she suddenly realizes that there's more to life and to meaning than what she said. And it was because of this new person who comes along. Her name is Niall. And she is played by someone who I don't know, but she's pretty good. Kiki Lane. Kiki Lane. She, uh, because she is religious, she is a Christian. There's this really nice piece of dialogue in the middle where Andy poo-poos Niall's faith. God doesn't exist, Andy says. My God does, Niall says. Uh, Andy's still not buying it at at that moment. But after she spends some time with Niall, she realizes that Niall has something that Andy has lost. And I think part of that is not only hope for humanity, but also an element of faith. Like at the very end, spoiler warning. Part four. (laughs) Part four. Andy, who almost dies but doesn't, right? She, She is no longer immortal. She actually has now a legitimate regular lifespan to live um one of her immortal friends who can't see her for a whole bunch of reasons for another hundred years says this is the last time i'm probably going to see you isn't it and andy turns to this guy and says have a little faith why don't you so number one that is a clue that (laughs) andy has developed a sense of faith now it could be argued that that statement is a little ambiguous like oh maybe i could live that long but it could also mean that andy may be looking to a hereafter where they can meet later i mean that that might be giving it more credit than this is a deep movie jake yeah (laughs) yeah so i was gonna say uh for the depth that this movie really gets to that's given a little bit of credit but if it was a deeper movie you could say that was plausible and it's not, to be fair, to your point, it's not totally shallow. I mean, it's interesting, don't you think, that that was the very last line of the movie? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't the very last line of the movie, but... It was close. It was close. The last meaningful line of the movie. The last meaningful line? The Stinger was pretty meaningful. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the Stinger was very superhero movie. It uh, was a very superhero movie. I knew exactly what the Stinger was going to be, and that's why I waited for it. Um, no, I, I think, you know, this, this is a good fanboy movie in that, uh, you know, I, I asked in the 20 questions, I asked, you know, what is one of the worst superpowers to be saddled with, right? Or what would be the worst superpower to be saddled with? And that question was inspired by me thinking that this one would be pretty crappy (laughs) to be able to, to live almost forever but feel the pain of every death and every wound, like to not have like any imperviousness to the pain. So it's like, Oh, so I don't get the benefits of like, Oh, I don't feel pain or I don't get super strength. It's like, no, I just get to 
die a bunch of times really painfully and always come back and watch my loved ones die over and over again. That really is pretty terrible. That was that was one of the sad, poignant parts is the idea that they've lost everyone that they cared for. Right. So I wanted it to be even to lean in personally. I was wanting it to be a little bit more know-it-all, a little bit less fanboy and sort of lean into the problem of pain, the burden of this uh, this unwanted superpower and the baggage that it causes you to carry with you. And it did sort of on the surface and it, and it gave you tastes of it, but just enough so that it would, it would couldn't be accused of being totally vapid. Um, but not so much that you're like, Oh boy, this really wrestled with the problem of evil in the world. And like, bearing pain but finding hope in the midst of that pain like it kind of it did enough of that to kind of be like hey we gave you a lesson good things can happen in the midst of really bad things and i think they did actually that lesson exactly right for this type of movie right you're not tuning this is not a terrence malick movie right you're tuning in to this to see some action you're tuning in to see some excitement to see some violence if you will and you see plenty of violence for sure um but i also think that it, it was the whole immortality thing as i think we've unpacked pretty <laughs> it it's a little silly right it right. the the idea is a little bit silly, but I think within the context of the movie, it actually dealt with some of the themes that they were dealing with reasonably well. I mean, I think that, that you walk away from it with, with an understanding that it isn't all that. I think it, it, it leaves you it leaves you feeling bad for these people, even as you think, man. That Charlize Theron can kick some serious butt, and that's a good—that's a good way to walk out of this movie from, right? It's—I mean, it gives you both and. It gives you that thrill of a good actioner and a little bit to chew on on your way home. Of course, you're already home because it's a Netflix movie; <laughs> you can go to the theaters. But yeah. if you were, you know, yeah, I'd put it in the camp for me something. I put it in the camp of a Shaun of the Dead in that it's not a movie you're going to point to and be like, boy, this movie really gets faith and life and just really nails it. Right. You're like, no, it's a really funny, goofy movie. It nails this like zombie homage, you know, uh, mock uh, satire. There we go. And uh, but while it does that, it happens to give you some nice little nuggets of about being present in life and caring for the people around you and, and being faithful in the little things and the relationships around you and your community. And you're like, oh, well, for those people who are going to watch a zombie comedy anyways, <laughs> this is you know a nice message for them to take home. So I, I feel sort of the same way about the old guard. I'm not going to assign it to anybody anytime soon as any meaningful examination of life or faith, but silence. Right. But if people are going to watch an action movie anyways, it's better than many others out there like uh, John Wick, which has zero point. It has zero point, but a lot of cool action sequences. And, and to your point, I actually think that, that that's, that's the sign of a really well-constructed 
movie that hits my sweet spot in a way where it holds true to the genre and yet manages through its craft and through in 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 through its themes gets to a deeper level. Now I'm not going to say I I agree with you. The Old Guard is not, you know, the quintessential example of that. I think it's a really effective, fun, kind of silly, slightly provocative action movie. You know, Logan, I think, would be a much better example of how an action movie can go the extra stepping. And and I think your Shaun of the Dead is perfect because that is so well crafted in a lot of respects that it works on, you know, four or five different levels in a way. Um, I think that, I think the old guard tickles at that. It doesn't quite reach there, but I did enjoy it. I do have to say I did enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. I think part of it, um, and this is where I do have to give it kudos is I often get onto movies for trying to go, too far one way or the other to be too vapid and completely devoid of meaning or to be so deep and complex that they avoid being an entertaining movie in and of themselves. And I'll say I've certainly been spoiled by things like uh, Netflix, these Netflix limited release series where we're getting, you know, 12, 10 to 12 episode seasons that are able to spend more time and develop these characters and get really like deep into faith and nuance and life like daredevil um, where I'm like, well, now that's the superhero stuff that I want. That's what I want. I want it to be, everything should be like daredevil, right? That's the temptation that comes on the heels of that. But the old guard is what the old guard wanted to be. And it does that just fine. I and think possibly even well. <laughs> I think that's absolutely right. I think, I mean, it's, when you're going to these particular type of movies, it's fine to, and I think it's actually admirable to understand what you are um, and to embrace what you are and still try to move out of that comfort zone a little bit. Sometimes you have, you have movies that try too hard to be something that they're not inherently. And the old guard at least doesn't fall into that problem. It does not. I will say, um, on a lighter note, it was funny for me mentally. I was struggling to figure out who, where have I seen this bad guy before? And the villain came from another Netflix streaming movie that came out in 2019. Did you ever place that one, Paul? No, I did not. So the guy, you know, it had to have one, you know, guy? that played Merrick. Yeah, the big pharma guy. Of course, you knew there had to be some corporate villain that we could all hate, Big Pharma in the old guard's case. Um, but the guy that played Merrick um, was in one of the shorts in The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. No way. Very interesting. With uh, Liam Neeson. Very... <laughs> That's an interesting combination. Now, are you remembering that little short? Yeah. Yeah. He was the, the one with no arms or legs. Yeah, no, I, I actually didn't watch The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Wait, what? We talked about it on this very podcast. I must have made it all up. You never, well, maybe I just brought it up and told you to watch it is most likely what happened. Yeah. So, uh, so I just came up with another person who I would not want to follow their Instagram or their, their Facebook account. Oh yeah. Dr. Strange. Don't think he would be insufferable. 
Yeah, he really would be. That would be bad. That'd be the worst. That's a good answer. Uh, well, that's all I've got on the old guard. Paul, did you have anything burning at the back of your mind? You know, I just want to hear your rating. We always rate these movies from one to ten, so I need to hear your rating. Uh, for me, I would give the old guard a solid, no, not a solid, a semi-solid 5.8 out of 10. Oh, Jake, you're so lame. I, I enjoyed a few of the action moments. Uh, Charlize Theron is one of, uh, Charlize Theron is a fantastic action heroine. So she brings it up for me, but sort of the formulae big pharma plot line and just how lame I found the superpowers to actually be like, I wanted it to be a deeper rumination on how lame their superpowers were. So that for me ended up being like, eh, you know what? For me, 5.8. Jake, 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 7.2. 7.2. It's a pretty darn good movie. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's worse ways to spend your Saturday night. It's pretty gross. So if you're yeah. listening, be, be aware. Lots and lots and lots of content caveats. I'm, I always feel bad about saying that movies like this are good when, of course, for certain audiences, they're really, really not. Right. I, I had to say the funny, my funny content caveat that dovetails with that is the fact that my wife really di- has a strong distaste for overly violent movies. Like for context, the Bourne movies are right at that threshold for her. Like if it's any more violent than the Bourne movies, she's out. Like not interested. Um, as a result, I have to watch these types of movies by myself with her nowhere to be found, right? Um, but she's also got a bad habit of either walking into the room or waking up because sometimes I've tried turning them on while she was asleep. Like she fell asleep on the couch uh, of either waking up or coming in at the exact wrong moments for her sensibilities. So like this, I think I might've said this, but when we rewatched no country for old men for Paul's back to get it off Paul's backlist, we had been up. My wife fell like hard asleep on the couch. She was gone. And so I waited for like 20 minutes, let whatever we were watching together finish. And I was like, well, I'll start on no country for old men hit play. Literally. She, she kind of blinks as I start it. I stop it. And I'm like, you want to go up to bed? She's like, no, no, no. And then falls hard asleep again. And so I'm like, all right, I'll play it. So I play it. And then she wakes up again, right. As Anton Chigurh puts the like cattle prod to the cop's head or whatever and blows a hole in his head. And she was furious. Like she was tired and she was furious that she like, what kind of gross, disgusting stuff are you watching? This is the worst. You're terrible. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. Like I thought you were asleep. It's okay. It's all with the, uh." and she was so mad. Um, Does your wife ever get mad at me for forcing you to watch some of this stuff for this podcast? Yeah. In the, well, the funny thing was in that case, I was the one making you watch it. Right. Um, And and so she gets that I watch this stuff on my own. So she, I take full blame for all of this. So humorously, I didn't learn my lesson. That was a year plus ago. And so she, same, same exact scenario happens with this, where she falls fast asleep while we're watching, you know, sitcom, rewatching a sitcom as a guilty pleasure or whatever. She falls asleep. I'm like, oh, I'll start the old guard. 
And she wakes up as the opening scene is panning across all these bullet ridden, riddled heads, you know, that have gaping wounds and bullets dripping out of their faces. And she wakes up as that is happening. Saving that. What is this stuff you're watching? It's terrible. I can't believe it. Oh, this is so gross. I'm going to bed. It's like, what? You have this knack for just waking up right at the wrong moment. So needless to say, I haven't uh, I haven't asked her to watch Daredevil with me. A shame. Next 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 date night movie, Logan. <laughs> That's right. Oh my gosh. Uh, that'd be my third strike. I'd be in big trouble. <laughs> so there you have it, the old guard. Seven point two with content caveats from Paul AC. Five point eight with also content caveats from Jake Roberson. <laughs> If you happen to Netflix and chill with some uh, old guard on the old Netflix, or if you just Netflixed it and there was no chill, um, <laughs> you can let us know what you thought of it on Twitter. I'm at Jake underscore Roberson. I'm at AC Paul. And now it's time for the most least important thing. Here we are the most least important thing, the way we love to wrap up every single little show of ours, making mountains of molehills, molehills into mountains. It takes a lot of dirt, but after we've reduced a mountain to rubble, we can just use that to make a molehill into a mountain. So really, we're recycling. It's good. It's it's the circle of life for mountains and molehills, really, when you think about it. We're just reusing material. Paul, what do you have for us today? <laughs> I'm still trying to think my way through that whole intro it works the so science, uh, the science checks out <laughs> so jake do you know the phil collins song in the air tonight uh i think i do i think i do i can feel it coming in the air tonight oh yeah yeah, yeah. i know yeah. that one yeah so, anyway lots of youngsters do not know this song even though it was one of the most brilliant songs made in the 80s. Um, <laughs> the problem was they hadn't been born. <laughs> it, it, and it, for some of them, neither had their parents. <laughs> it is 39 years old. 39 years old. That so Legitimately, you could have teenagers whose parents weren't born when this song was released. So alarming. Anyway, there's a there's a series of YouTube videos now being recorded by 22-year-old twins, Tim and Fred Williams from Gary, Indiana. They listen to old songs, and then they talk about those old songs. A little stream of consciousness, a little like us, Jake. That's right. Get it done a lot sooner. (laughs) Reaction videos. Reaction videos, exactly. They listen to In the Air Tonight. And they were blown away. They were so excited when the drum kicked in. Exactly. Who does that, they said. Who who waits three minutes into a song to start the drums? (laughs) They were over the moon for it. This this video has been seen a three bazillion times. Not quite that many. Give or take. It's been watched a lot of times. It's been watched literally millions of times single-handedly their reaction video drove in the air tonight 
up to number three on the <laughs> sales chart. Number three, 39 years old. That's pretty all right. You know what? That's that's social media at its best. That's when I just say, you know what? Social media, for all the crazy people you've you know, allowed and unleashed on my Facebook timeline, I forgive you <laughs> for this. <laughs> I did watch that video. It is worth a watch. It's a good little... I mean, one, you get Phil Collins, and so there you go. And then two, you get this reaction from these young men that is... That is worth, it's worth the Google. Yes, it, it was pretty entertaining, I must say. Speaking of entertainment and possible lack thereof, on tap for my most least important thing is breaking news as of the recording of this podcast, Tuesday, August 12th. Nope, Tuesday, August 11th. I was flashing forward to tomorrow. Um, it's one of my superpowers. I can flash forward in time in my mind. That's a superpower. That's terrible. It really is. Tuesday, August twelfth, uh, the eleventh. Holy cow! Tuesday, August eleventh, a bunch of college football has been postponed. After all the braggadocio, after all the months of planning, the Big Ten. And the Pac-12 have uh, postponed all of their sports through the end of 2020. And so that brings us to the question, not not every college football division has canceled, but yeah. Paul, are we going to get college football in 2020? Or is, or is it going to be the year where we only had it for 10 days early in the year? It's a really good question. I think uh, there is a chance that the SEC could continue to go on. But I really don't think – I think that the college football as we know it is going to be gone for 2020. I I have my doubts that the pro game is even going to go on. You know, even though as of, as of August 12th, Tuesday. <laughs> or the 11th, whichever was the Tuesday. Whichever one you prefer. The 11th is Tuesday. <laughs> The, the pro game is still on. I've been listening to my fantasy football podcast. Um, I just don't know. It, it seems like this whole coronavirus thing is dragging on longer than people thought, although I'm not exactly sure why they thought it wouldn't drag on for quite a long time. You know? Well, it's it's like everybody expected the timeline to change, even though from the beginning, everybody said, not everybody, from the beginning, the outlook was this timeline, it's going to stick around for a little while. But we all thought maybe we can engineer our way out of it. And we've seen in fits and starts little versions that kind of sort of maybe work a little bit and don't in other cases. I mean, the NBA bubble being an example of a system that so far is working, but you know, also is pretty unsustainable as a model, you know, pretty much only works. And we don't know for sure if it's worked yet. We're still early on in the bubble. Uh, but they're basically just doing the playoffs with a little bit of a play-in before. So it's a very limited model. It's not an entire season. And you can't put college football players in a bubble because they all go to different schools. And also they can't unionize and you know 
bargain for their rights. And so it's like, it's a weird position where it's a really odd position where all of a sudden the players have a weird amount, seem to have a weird amount of bargaining power, even though they don't have the ability to bargain, you have them forming unity groups and speaking publicly out against, you know, either the NCAA or against their own school or against their particular division and arguing to play and coaches. We got the university of Nebraska, my longtime favorite team since my parents both went there saying, well, we're willing to play with any conference that will still play basically saying that's nice that you don't want to play big 10, but if the sec will have us, we'll play. (laughs) And you just have this really weird college football landscape emerging with the caveat that it could all be wiped out in two weeks entirely. Yeah, no, it's, it's a really difficult situation and I feel terrible for, the people who are trying to make these choices, right? Because you know that everybody wants there to be games. You realize that so many, and you are an athlete, Jake, you you know the kind of dedication that it takes to be a football player, especially when you're talking at, at this level, to have all that work and, and all, you know, it's it's these kids' lives in a lot of ways. And to have that all wiped away, it's got to be super, super painful. And yet you got to keep people safe too. So it's a, it's really tricky. I, I am not counting on seeing a lot of college football. Yeah. We certainly won't have as much. That's for sure. If we have any at all. And it, it seems particularly difficult to judge in such a polarized environment where you have one camp that believes that these players would be safer on campus Right. And seems to believe that pretty wholeheartedly. I mean, and then you have this other camp that believes, again, very wholeheartedly that they would not be safer. And they're all going off of data that we just don't have enough of. Right. And there's no way to make a truly educated guess. You can make, like, I guess this is truly the epitome of an educated guess in that we don't have good data and analytics to tell us what is the right answer. So we're all just making our own versions of educated guesses. Right. And uh, I just think it, it's been a fascinating thing to watch unfold, to see power dynamics shift in real time, seemingly, and to see different people uh, trying to get out ahead of things and behind things and in front of things to no degree of success. Um, but, but then maybe some? It's such, a, no. such an odd time to be a sports fan. It, it is a really odd time to be a sports fan. I do have to say that I like the bubbles that I have seen so far. You know, I, I watched a little bit of hockey this weekend. I thought that not having the fans there was going to be weirder than it was. Um, I still got into the game and I watched some PGA golf. You know, the fans there are so quiet that it's not too different. That but, worked pretty well. That worked pretty well. And it's a social distancing sport anyway. Um, it's great to see some sports. But when you're talking about a hard contact sport like football that involves so many people, it seems like the dangers, the COVID dangers just increase exponentially. And it's it's hard to see how they can do it well. So I think you're right. Everybody's making educated guesses and we'll just see how it goes. And everybody's going to think they were right which is the fun part. Speaking of 
sports. I've seen some pretty crazy tennis propaganda commercials coming on that are like, that are pretty fascinating. Um, you know, we've long seen get active commercials or got milk commercials or, uh, also anti-smoking commercials, but I'd never seen pro tennis propaganda commercials until the last week or so. So coming soon to a screen near you, pro tennis pop propaganda videos or commercials telling you that tennis is the perfect social distancing sport. As a former tennis player, I, uh, I would concur. I'm, I'm in favor of any tennis propaganda we get. I think pickleball is the even more perfect social distancing sport because you use a plastic ball. It seems like those fibers on tennis balls might be like trapped yeah. for Corona. Yeah. Uh, Where the plastic ball, you know, that's harder for Corona to live on, right? Science. <laughs> yeah, science. That's exactly right, Jake. <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. Well, that's all we've got for this episode of Pop Culture with Fanboy and Know-It-All. We appreciate you tagging along with us. Uh, you can catch up and tag along with us even more on Twitter. I'm at Jake underscore Roberson. I'm at AC Paul. But until next time, we'll catch you on the flip side. Bye. about the burp it's these these sparkling waters that everybody's drinking these days this podcast is not brought to you by a sparkling water drink if only it was we'd be richer <laughs>